I mean, at that point, I had already exhausted the first option so many times, which was just continue as I'm doing. I mean, I had done that at that point for around like seven years and it was clearly not serving any purpose. It wasn't doing good for me. It wasn't doing good for my family, my friends around me, who they also struggled a lot, not just kind of from what they were dealing with with me, but also, you know, their own mental health. So I was not just seeing the impact of it on me, I was seeing the impact of it on everyone else. It was it was only inevitable that it was just going to keep doing more damage. So I think I kind of was forced to look at the positive of it. And obviously during this time, I had been struggling with my physical health as well. So I live with two disabilities, fibromyalgia, which is chronic pain, and Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome, which is collective tissue disorder. So by this point, I had already accepted the physical health side. What is so different about the mental health side that I can't just accept that? And Thank you so much for clicking on this episode of The Millennial Entrepreneur. The ambition of the podcast is to show relatable stories from young entrepreneurs doing some incredible things to inspire the next generation, including you listening wherever you are. We've been doing this podcast for over three years and the ambition has not changed. The only thing that has changed is the scale of where we want to go. We want to bring on bigger guests for you guys to show more and more relatable and inspiring stories from young entrepreneurs across the world. The majority of you guys listening haven't subscribed to the podcast yet. All you have to do is click that subscribe button wherever you're listening on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and that will allow us to bring on bigger guests and ask the questions to them that you really want to hear. And it really is that simple. So thank you again for clicking on the podcast and enjoy the episode. Tanya, welcome to the podcast. Hi, thank you so much for having me. No, my absolute pleasure. And uh, for you to come on, we've had a few episodes in the past talking about health and we had Dr. Ali and we had Maya that talked about mental fitness a few episodes ago. And those episodes always resonate, you know, very much with with people, including myself as the host. And when I sort of came across what you're doing in the mental health space, especially like young people mental health space, as well as you know founder mental health, I thought it would be worthwhile you coming on because you you've had this from like personal experience. So I guess like for you, where did this all start? Yeah, I mean, it's kind of been played a big role in my life throughout since I was a child um I'd always struggled with my mental health but coming from like a South Asian background we never really spoke about it just thought it was like a me problem um and then when I was around 12 years old went through a period of quite intense bereavement on my father's side of the family and I think that really kick-started like the the start of a really tough journey with my mental health um, and at that time I was really struggling with suicidal ideation so my first attempt was when I was 13 and then from then on it it was always you know such a major part of my life when I was 15 I was diagnosed with depression and anxiety so I've tried it all I've tried CBT talking therapy you know all these different types of therapy antidepressants and everything so I went through kind of education with that at the forefront and then when I was in university I started to struggle a lot again um and that's also when lockdown hit. Um, so yeah, it kind of just was like the cherry on top of the cake, which was like, oh God, this is getting a lot worse. Um, and, you know, even like today, it's still such a big part of my life. And that kind of just kickstarted this journey, which I think I quite accidentally fell into of, you know, the mental health space and doing all the work that I do now. So I guess that, yeah, this whole thing, like you setting up a community and you setting up all these different initiatives, they all came from this personal story. Yeah, that's right. But it's something that you like were, were dealing with for like a, a long period of time, right? Yeah. So it wasn't just like a, a a phase. So I guess, um, how would you be dealing with it when you were younger? I mean, when I was younger, I mean, <laughs> I was told I was just like sensitive and I just cried a lot. So I just genuinely thought I was sensitive and I cried a lot. 
Um, and then going through the years, I think even once I got diagnosed with anxiety depression, like when you're 15 years old, you don't really know anything about it. I think, you know, one of the biggest problems is, is that in mainstream education, you don't learn anything about mental health. So you're just kind of thrown into a, a like a, you hit rock bottom and you're just like, okay, what do I do? I mean, at that time, you kind of have two options. You go to social media and you see whatever's out there, which, you know, is not always the best. Or you go to Google and you start doing these searches and you're overwhelmed with a load of information, which is exactly what I did. So, you know, I obviously tried the medical routes that my doctor suggested, such as therapy and antidepressants. And then I tried all the self-help stuff that I could find online. But it's so generic. It's so overwhelming. And, you know, as a young person, it's, it doesn't always resonate with you. Um, so I think it's just like a lot of it was just trial and error, figuring out what things kind of helped and what things didn't help. And, you know, the, the reality of it is, is that sometimes you're in such a bad place where none of the self-help stuff is actually enough to help you. How bad did it get? I mean, I, I attempted on my life multiple times. Um, and that's something that I'm quite open about because I think a lot of people see mental health as, you know, they kind of box it into what they see in media. So they box it into what they see as anxiety being or what they see as depression being. And anxiety and depression are only a few of the, the you know, the vast spectrum of kind of mental health experiences that people have um so yeah I mean it, it got really really bad it got to that point and I mean when I was in my second year of uni so I was like 19 that was when I had to sit down with myself and think okay I kind of have two options here the first option is that I continue going as I'm going continue attempting and you know just live the way I'm living or I try and just accept this and try and make something positive out of it because I can't be the only one I know I'm not the only one so I need to do something about it and I think that was a kind of turning point for me in this entire journey to to make something positive out of it those two options that you talked about they're two very different options right and I guess like one I guess like how did you pick between between the two because like how, how did you sort of like lean over to the more like positive side I mean, at that point, I had already exhausted the first option so many times, which was just continue as I'm doing. I mean, I had done that at that point for around like seven years and it was clearly not serving any purpose. It wasn't doing good for me. It wasn't doing good for, you know, my family, my friends around me who, you know, they also struggled a lot, not just kind of from what they were dealing with with me, but also, you know, their own mental health. Um, so I was not just seeing the impact of it on me, I was seeing the impact of it on everyone else. Um, and you know, it was it was only inevitable that it was just going to keep doing more damage. So I think I kind of was forced to look at the positive of it. Um, and obviously, during this time, I had been struggling with my physical health as well. So I live with two disabilities, fibromyalgia, which is chronic pain, and Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome, which is connective tissue disorder. So by this point, I had already accepted the physical health side. So I was like, what is so different about the mental health side that I can't just accept that and because, you know, at that, I mean, at that point of time, I was already, I had written a blog around my physical health condition. So why was there no more stigma as much as there was around, you know, why was I okay accepting and talking about the physical side, but not the mental side? So you made the active decision to go down that road. Mm -hmm. And we'll talk about that in a bit. But I really want to focus on, because you mentioned the South Asian background a couple of times. I guess, like, how much does that play into the mental health side? Like, how, how are they related in your story? Yeah, I mean, I feel like my background was just you know, a catalyst for a lot of the things that took place, you know, on that journey. I think 
had I not had the cultural and religious barriers that I had, perhaps I would have gone to the doctor earlier. I mean, I only went to the doctor when I was 15 years old. Had I gone to the doctor when I was, you know, 12, 13, 14, perhaps I would have had earlier intervention. And I mean, that stems from the fact that we don't talk about mental health. Mental health is almost non-existent in our kind of, in the community that I'm from. Um, And, you know, I think you, you just, I was just always this comparison, you know, my parents being immigrants or, you know, a child of an immigrant, you know, they had seen worse at times, they had seen partition, they had seen, you know, coming to the country and having little and, you know, building that up from scratch. And whereas I was someone who was privileged enough to have education, privileged enough to have shelter and food, and I was sitting here saying that I didn't want to be here. And, you know, for them, that didn't make any sense. And then um, I think one thing I also struggled with was religion. Um, And that's still something that I'm grappling with, you know, what is my relationship with my faith because at the time I was constantly told that just be more religious you know pray a couple of more times a day or you know they took me to see the priest and the priest would look at my birth chart and come up with all these conclusions and solutions so for me it was just you know I wasn't being heard in my immediate circle um and that all came down to the fact that it was shameful it was shameful to have something wrong with you especially at such a young age it must have been someone's fault or I must have done something um so for me that kind of just added so many more obstacles and hindrances to the journey that I've taken and I mean even today as well it's it's something that always you know crops up so did your your cultural background as well as your religious background that's what kind of prevented you specifically um seeking help earlier on yeah and I think that's no one's fault that just came from you know the absence of education um and you know just understanding and appreciating the fact that these things happen and it's no one's fault and you know sometimes there isn't a quick fix to it the quick fix isn't just doing a prayer and you'll be fine you know it's actually a long journey and it's a journey which many of us have to continue on for the rest of our lives so I guess like when when it came to yeah going back to the earlier point in discussion you had you had two sort of paths to go down one was continue continuing attempting in your words and the second one was trying to make a positive out of it to inspire other people who are on a similar path to you and I guess when you made that active decision to go down the second road and the more positive one I guess like how how do you do that like what what did you would you like actively undertake to 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 do that I mean, that is exactly what I thought. I was like, great, I'm going to do this. But how, where do you even start from? Um, I think for me, at that point of time, a lot of my friends had been reaching out saying that they were struggling with their mental health. And I was like, okay, so I kind of know that I'm not the only person. I know that there are people struggling with similar things. And I know that when I'm suggesting, you know, small things like breathing exercises or just talking about it, it seems to be helping. So what is the quickest way that I can reach more people and put this information out there? So for me, it was Instagram at the time. And I was just like, oh, you know, thinking about it, like we spend so long just on our phones, especially during lockdown, we were all on our phones. And I was like, how about we just saw some like positive content once in a while? Or we just saw some content that normalized the conversation around mental health. So I literally was just like, on YouTube like how to make graphic design images and then just did a tutorial on Canva and just started with that had no idea where it was going to lead to but it was just like the first step and then you know when you post you see maybe one person comment on it or one person like it 
one person message you and it that kind of just like snowballed into continuing that momentum and realizing that you know people were interested and people wanted to get involved so it started out with you starting an instagram page with the the whole purpose of sort of spreading awareness and also helping people when it comes to the you know with those posts and i guess like you didn't have any graphic design background you use canva which is a fantastic tool highly recommended and uh i guess like what was the motivation there because it's not like like, there's not tons of money in this right it's not like a financial thing and I guess like for you was it like a lot of therapy for you personally as well doing this do you think yeah I, I completely 100% it was helping me that I knew that I was hopefully being able to help someone or you know at least one person out there and I mean the reality of it is there's still not really much money in there anyways um but yeah it was just that passion and that motivation to keep on going and you know the more people reach out the more you're like okay I need to keep on doing this because there are people who are waiting for your next post. There are people who are waiting for you to get back to them. Um, so I think for me, that was really the main motive. So I guess like, yeah, you made, you made these different posts. Um, when did you, when did it start growing? And when did it, when did it sort of go to the next stage? Yeah. So I think it was, I had a few kind of people who were also students or just young people who were like, okay, I want to get involved, but how do I get involved? I don't know how to make any posts. Like, can I write? Can I do this? And I was like, okay, I have no experience in this. I don't even know how to manage a team. Like, I'm still at university. And it was just like, okay, let's get some group of people together. Let's just get on a call. Let's brainstorm some ideas. And then I went to LinkedIn, had never really used LinkedIn before. I'd made an account like the year before and I just posted about it. And then loads of people started reaching out, you know, not just young people, but other people a few kind of charities and organizations who work in the space were reaching out and wanting to kind of get involved they wanted to you know have us create content for young people by young people and kind of provide it to them and support them and help them advise on their strategy so it kind of just like blew up from there and then there was a lot of requests to kind of can you come and share your story can you come and talk about this can you come and talk about that and I mean at the time I didn't have any strategy and I'd say for a very long time I didn't have a strategy I'd I wouldn't even say now I have a proper strategy. It's kind of going going with the flow and seeing what's out there. Um, and I think when you're driven by passion and you have the time, a lot of your time is just dedicated to that passion. But eventually, you know, time is scarce and you get to a point. For example, when I graduated, I came to a point where I was like, okay, time is no longer, um, you know, as free as it was before. So I need to try and be clever in the way that we're putting out our content and, you know, the resources we're making, who are they going to, the workshops that we're hosting, how are we hosting them, who's hosting them. And I think also for me personally, as a founder, it was to let go of that control because it started as, you know, something I just started out in my bedroom, but okay, how do I make this work without me having to do everything and be there every step of the way? Yeah, I think that outsourcing step with when it comes to content creation, anything sort of creative is how can I outsource aspects of it that don't relate to the actual like um, value, if that makes sense? So for, for me, it's outsourcing the editing to a certain degree and it's not outsourcing the hosting because that's where I see like myself as being, uh, you know, value. And for you, it could be, or for anyone that's making like creative posts or, or whatever, it could be you dictating the message and then creating the actual like graphics, for instance um with with that clear sort of vision that you would give to them so it's 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 being selective when it comes to outsourcing and not outsourcing the entire thing because if you outsource the entire thing and don't outsource it correctly then yeah it could lead to 
your brand or like the what you want to go out there is like not exactly like what actually goes out there um so I guess like was it a difficult step actually outsourcing yeah because I think at the end of the day everyone was a volunteer who was working on it so it was you know sometimes a lot of people created such great posts but like you said it didn't necessarily align with what what I think the vision was and what we wanted to focus on um and I think because there is just so much like mental health advice out there it kind of just got diluted to things like read a book and um you know that isn't really kind of the message that we wanted to give um and also you know when you're working with young people we started having people kind of like below 18 reach out or below 16 and it was just all of this kind of like okay I don't know anything about safeguarding I don't know anything about web design who who can I go to and you know our volunteers are all great but at this at the end of the day you know a lot of them had their own lived experience with their mental health that they were living through and you know you know that posed I guess um challenges at time just to make sure that you know their well-being was at the forefront as well as mine when it comes to the workshops mm-hmm. how when did you get your first workshop and how did it happen so I think it was 2021 we just I was just like okay let's do something this summer and we all sat down as a team and we were like let's do like 10 weeks of workshops they're just going to be free and open available to anyone um and then kind of we had a young person host each workshop we created like different themes for each one and we were like okay we don't actually know how many people are going to attend but let's just put out there and let's just do it Um, and then we had the 10 weeks over the 10 weeks we had 150 young people and parents and carers join those workshops and had lots of feedback about how helpful it was and you know how much you know people want to have a space where they can come to weekly or bi-weekly or monthly where they can kind of explore these topics because this isn't something you get at school this isn't something you get at university um so that kind of was our first time where we ever tried a workshop and then from there it was just you know a lot of requests from people can you come to our school and can you do a workshop can you come to our like youth group can you do a workshop or can you come to our company and do a workshop so it kind of just snowballed from there um and then it also helped us get to the point where we were able to understand okay what topics do people want us to focus on you know we were coming out of covid then so it was like okay so online isn't as popular as it was before what can be done in person so it was it was a really good like testing ground for us at that time and those so those were all free and I guess like when it came from that when was your first sort of like paid one and I guess like how did you how did you get that because I know when it comes to these these spaces when you're you know you're, you're helping people and I guess like it's more socially charged rather than like revenue driven but you still have to make some sort of a living and you know cover cover costs right so I guess like how did how did it translate from you doing it out of the goodness of where you know your heart and sort of you you know helping people to actually like making some sort of a an income from it yeah so I think it was summer last year and I think what kind of put me on that journey of transitioning from this is a free passion project that we all do in our in our spare time to actually this is something that you know has value and that value needs to be appreciated I had connected with a lot of people by then in the space who, you know, had been doing public speaking or workshops and, you know, had had that experience. And they were like, why are you doing this all for free? You know, people would pay for this. And I was just like, they paid £10, £20. They're like, no, you know, there's like hundreds of pounds out there. And I think for me, that was a really difficult thing to accept and learn about. And I think it's still something I'm on a journey about because, you know, it sometimes feels so wrong. 
um, kind of having a monetary value attached to something that you're doing out of goodwill and doing because you know you have that lived experience but the reality of it is is that you you can't pay bills from doing a free passion project um so yeah it was around last year and I think it was really kind of drilled into me by that time by my mentors who I had who were like actually you know what you can't keep just going to things for free you can't keep just delivering this and you also can't keep sharing your lived experience for free because every time you share your lived experience or another young person shares their lived experience that can be triggering at times um and you know you need to make sure that you're not just you know allowing yourself to be too vulnerable and potentially get exploited as well. And then you talk a lot about founder mental health as well. And this is something that, I mean, I've spoken to countless founders, like I think maybe 130 um, from the podcast alone. And then obviously like a lot of other ones from, from my just general experience. And I would say without like the majority I mean, the ones that I know, the majority of them have some sort of a struggle when it comes to this and in, in different aspects, some of them, you know, it's imposter syndrome, some of them it's like anxiety to a certain degree. Some of it's, you know, all the, all the pressure that comes with running a business, essentially, it's not an easy thing. And from you, you know, being in the space and also talking to a lot of founders, I guess, like, how big is this issue? I'd be surprised if there was even one founder who would say they haven't struggled with their mental well-being at any point of time. And by that, I don't mean a diagnosed mental health condition. I mean just struggling with their mental health in general. And I think it is because, like you said, you know, it's such a tough journey. There are so many people relying on you and looking up to you. And sometimes you don't feel like you have someone always to look up to or to rely on or to delegate to, which can be really difficult. And it is such a lonely path, right? Because I think we're in such a culture right now of like, you know, hustle coach culture and, you know, doing side hustles and getting out there and doing these passion projects that eventually kind of monetize and you're able to to live your life off of it. But it's not always the way it goes. And it's also not realistic, you know. When you're starting something new, you have to accept that it's going to take a substantial amount of time to get to a point where you're able to, you know, live comfortably off of it. Um, And also that it's not kind of a stable income that you can always rely on. But I think what I've noticed, especially being in the mental health space, is the kind of experience of founders in the mental health space is, is really difficult. And it's something I've experienced as well, where you know, you're making yourself vulnerable. You're talking about all these experiences that sometimes people feel like because you're in a better place, you're almost just healed. Like you're fine. You never experienced those really dark periods. But the reality of it is, is that, you know, you can never just fully run away from it. It's a work in progress. It's a journey. And um, I, I mean, it can be really difficult, you know, taking a break or doing all those things that, you know, you need to do for your mental health when you're in a space where you're trying to help others with their mental health and that's something I've been very open about on LinkedIn especially where it's just like if I'm having a really tough period like I had had you know a month back I was just open and honest on there about you know actually I'm having a bit of a tough time that's why I'm taking a step back Um, and it doesn't mean that I don't want to help others and I don't want to continue you know working towards better mental health services and mental health awareness it just means that you need to take a step back and there are so many other kind of founders who resonated with that and reached out and said, you know what, they feel in a very similar position. And the thing I always say is, you know, you can't put someone else's oxygen mask on before you put your own on. And I think that's applicable to kind of each and every one of us, but particularly for founders as well. You know, whatever, whether it's a business, your passion project or something you're trying to turn into a business, 
it won't be able to run well until you kind of put your oxygen mask on and made sure that you're okay. That's very true. And uh, I guess like the whole purpose of me setting up this podcast was to show the honest realities of what it is like to, you know, grow a business and be an, a young entrepreneur. And you have, you have a lot of podcasts out there that don't really show the full picture and you only show the positives and the successes and don't really show the failures and the hardships. And that leads to a lot of toxic information, especially for young people when it comes to starting a business and it either not growing as fast or them struggling with mental health when they thought it, it, that wouldn't be an issue and, and all these different things. And I think having people like yourself, Tanya, on the podcast, and, and you know, I've had credit to a lot of my guests. They've opened up about this. Um, it's it's a real issue, but I think it, it, it does come part of the, the role, unfortunately, um, to, to have to sort of like battle with these things. But it's good to know that it's not, it is fairly common, like you're, you're not suffering alone. And that's the good thing that I've kind of experienced from this is that everyone is very much in the same boat here. Um, so from what you just said, I think that's a wonderful message to, to end the podcast on. So Tanya, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Um, absolutely loved having you on. How can people stay in touch with you and, and what you're doing? Yeah, definitely. So if you want to check out our kind of organization, it's called Championing Youth Minds. So you can find us on LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and we have our website, which is www.championingyouthminds.com. And then also I'm on all social media under Tanya Mawaha. So yeah, same LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. All right, fantastic. Thank you so much again for coming on the podcast and uh, I'm sure we'll speak very soon. Thank you so much. Thank you.